Before we get started, as many of you know, we just recently sent a team on mission to our sister church in Juarez, Mexico, and it was a great trip. I had the opportunity to go and serve alongside of this trip as well, and we had about 20 people go on this trip. It was about seven adults and 13 high school and college students that decided to spend their spring break or take time off work or take time off of school just to go and serve to be a part of God's kingdom. And you know that's part of our mission statement here at Canyon Hills Fringe Church, that we would equip Christ followers, that we would be a church that sends people out to build up the community of God and raise more and better disciples for Christ. And I have such a joy in my heart when I'm able to go and serve alongside of our youth, just being able to see them put their faith in action. There's nothing greater than looking at that. But instead of me telling you, I'd like to call up Becca Schuler and Alice Hahn to kind of share a little bit about their experience. Would you welcome Becca and Alice? Okay, so uh, this year we got to do some really cool projects like VBS, which we normally do, and then we did a medical clinic, which I really enjoy because that's what I'm interested in, and we also got to do a softball clinic. And um, just seeing like the kids, because uh, they don't normally get to play softball, so seeing them be able to play and just giving them mitts, we got to give them mitts, like a shirt, uh, yeah, bats and just shoes. So um, that was a really cool experience to see them enjoy that so much. Um, this trip has made a lasting impact on me every year that I've participated. Um, each time I go, I've felt closer to God than I've ever felt before. Um, this trip really has the ability to open your eyes to what's really important in life and just to see uh, what God has for you and his plan for your life. Um, especially this trip, it really stood out to me, the, the poverty that this community endures. Um, but what was even more inspiring was yet through their difficult circumstances, Sergio and his congregation radiate the hope and the joy of Jesus through their servants' hearts and their joyful attitudes. Um, this trip also really puts you out of your comfort zone both Alice and I got chosen to say our testimonies on the spot, and um, while it was kind of nerve-wracking to be chosen at first, it was a really cool experience to just be able to share and to connect with the people that you don't even speak the same language with. Um, that being said, too, uh, this trip, I really felt like I got to bond with people my age from the community, and um, through that, it was kind of fun because we got to try to figure out what like, each of us was saying and like acting it out and trying to figure out like what we were trying to say. But through that, um, God really revealed to me that like his love has no language barrier and that we're able to just bond with fellow, fellow believers even if we don't speak the same language. Um, and it's always fun to come back and reconnect with all the kids. The kids there are so wonderful and so cute and they remember your names and it's just a really great experience to to be with these people because um, this church is just really inspiring and it shows you the power of God because these people are really dependent on um, God's promises and it really shows and you can see it through Pastor Sergio and the rest of the congregation. And I'm just really grateful I get to go on this trip every year because it's made such an impact on me and my life and what I want to do in the future. Thank you, Becca. Hi, my name is Alice, and um, you know, some of you know me, but um, we've been coming to church. Well, I've been coming to church since um, my youngest was about 
um, he was about 18 months, and I first attended the mops at the, um, when we were, our church was at the La Palma. And then from there, went to a couple other churches and found our way back to this church. I've been coming to, to this church for a very long time, and um, never really stepped out of my comfort zone. So I know that Becca has mentioned some of the things that we did in Juarez, um, laying out the concrete at a home to hold services and hosting a VBS for the kids and, and uh, many other wonderful things that, that had God used this group to plant seeds and to spread his word. But um, beyond anything for me, um, this trip became more about what God wanted to show me and, and, and what was going on in my life. So it was a really um, spiritual awakening experience for me, um, not just from watching the people in Juarez and, and how little they have, but yet they're so joyful about everything. My little girl told me, you know, every year we have Easter egg hunt, you know, so many churches and kids run out to pick up eggs and they try to fill up their bags and get most eggs as much as possible. And here these kids were given one little egg with some candy in there and they were so joyful, they were so happy. And it really showed me a lot of things about, about the bubble that I live in back at home with all that I have and how it seems that the more you have, you find more reasons to complain about. <laughs> Whereas they have so little, nothing, and they're just happy, happy with anything, everything. They're just happy that you talk to them. Um, so for me, this trip really showed me and taught me. I feel like I wasn't there to give, but they actually all gave me. Even our team, our youth team, I've learned so much from them. It took me back to the times when, when, I was, when I was their age, when I was involved in church, and how joyful I was because I was serving the Lord. He filled me up every day. I was going through a lot of things at home, which, which in some ways I feel like I, I shouldn't even be here. But God filled me up and carried me through. He's given me so much. Um, he's given me the greatest gift, the greatest blessing, my husband. And, you know, through making families and children, life just got so busy. I had forgotten what it was like to be Christian, what it meant to be Christian. And I came to church, and I saw most of you every day, but I was so empty and I was so thirsty. And just going through this mission trip with this team, the youth group, Pastor Carlos told us that we were, each of us were handpicked to be there. And in the middle of our trip, I began to realize what he meant, that youth members were there to do what we needed to do at Wars, but they were also, I feel like they were there for my family. The things that they did for, for my family, the things that they showed me and my children and where we are in our lives and where we need to be, it brought back a lot of memories for me 
it was all about me. <laughs> I felt like this trip was about me. <laughs> it was still about me. Um, where I wanted to go with my kids, um, direction I needed to take with my life. And I just really came back with my cup full. And I'm so grateful for that. I have the joy. I have my joy back that I hadn't had for years. And, and I'm so grateful to, to all of you, all your prayers, and all the team members that attended, because this has been the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. We went to Hawaii every spring break with my kids. So this was a big change, but I have to say this was the greatest experience I've had in my life, and it taught me so much, and God just really, he really showed me and my family how much he loved us, he loved me through this trip. And, and I thank you all for your prayers and and, and I want to encourage you, other families, to, you know, to go on this trip. Um, we, I've been thinking about it for several years and never really went. My husband went, but I stayed behind with the kids, and I want to tell you how close I was to doing that again. <laughs> but um, really, really glad we went, and um, I just realized what blessing I could have missed out on if I hadn't gone, and I'm so grateful. And um, that's it. Thank you. Well, definitely thank you all for your prayers and your support as we just went down there just to, to not only serve Sergio and our sister church, but to also help with their first church plant in their community as well. So it was a fantastic experience. Thank you all for your prayers and support in that. Well, if you joined us last week, you would have heard Pastor Larry kick off this brand new series called Seeking God for a Breakthrough. And last week, he gave us six ways in which we can truly look for that breakthrough in our lives. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, every single one of us has some area in our lives where we need to experience a change, to experience a breakthrough. And for us to truly understand what that means, I think we need to start by defining exactly what we mean by this word breakthrough. Because if we're going to be seeking it so fervently, we should know what it is that we're seeking. So I looked it up, and in the dictionary, this word breakthrough is defined as a sudden, dramatic, and important advance. A sudden, dramatic, and an important advance. You see, science has breakthroughs. Medicine has breakthroughs. Technology has breakthroughs. You can have breakthroughs in your career. You can have breakthroughs in your marriage. You can have breakthroughs in your lifestyle. You can have breakthroughs with your family. You can have breakthroughs financially. Breakthroughs are a part of our everyday life. But so is its opposite. You know what the opposite of a breakthrough is? It's a setback. Because when you're not moving forward, you're at a stalemate. You're at an impasse and nothing is changing. Nothing is evolving inside of your life. And it's usually in these moments where we find that we experience the most pain in our lives. And I don't know if you've realized this or not by now, but God has a funny way of using pain in order to get our attention. Does anybody agree with that? Some of you may have experienced that yourself. It's so true. He uses pain to get our attention. C.S. Lewis was once quoted for saying, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. 
And it's so true because he uses pain to get our attention to prepare us for the breakthrough that's about to come. So as hard as it may sound this morning, if you're in pain, well, congratulations. Because it means that God has something great in store for you. It means that God has something better waiting on the other side of whatever pain you're currently experiencing right here and right now. You know, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30, it says this, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Isn't that the truth? See, we don't change when we see the light. We only change when we feel the heat. We only change when the pain is too great for us to continue moving forward. When we're so overwhelmed by life that we feel we have no way out, that's when we take a step back and say, maybe I do need to start changing. See, God uses these breakthroughs. God uses these upsets. God uses these, these pains, these setbacks in our lives to lead us to a better place, to lead us to making a change in our lives. And you know what, folks? Maybe some of you came here this morning seeking a breakthrough in your life. Maybe you came to this place confused where you've got a big decision to make or maybe something's not going right in your life or maybe you just haven't felt God in a while. You feel this disconnect and you're confused and lost and you don't know what to do. You need a breakthrough. Maybe you feel like the minority and the majority is out to get you. It seems like the entire world is teaming up against you and you're overpowered. You need a breakthrough. Maybe you feel like you're stressed. Maybe you feel like you're burnt out. Maybe you feel like you just can't do it anymore that you're sick and tired of trying to carry the weight of the world all by yourself. You need a breakthrough. See, whatever it is this morning, I could go on and on and on, but the question you need to be asking yourselves is this, where do I need a breakthrough? Where do I need to experience a breakthrough in my life? For some of you, maybe it's financial. For some of you, maybe it's health. Maybe it's family, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's in a career, maybe it's at school, maybe it's with friends, wherever it may be, we need to get serious about asking that question, where am I at a stalemate? Where am I stagnant in my life that I am desperately seeking for a breakthrough? And how do I obtain it? You know, I've been in active ministry for over seven years and one of the things that I've learned in my time is this, Breakthroughs generally only happen when you seek them, when you go after them. They don't just spontaneously appear overnight. No, that's not how breakthroughs work. You have to be active in chasing after a breakthrough if you truly want to obtain it in your life. In Psalm 77 verse two, it says this, when I was in distress, that's pain. When I was in pain, I sought the Lord. Every night I stretched out my hands in prayer to him. See folks, if you want to experience a breakthrough in your life, this is how you do it. Every day you come before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I'm giving you my feelings of being overwhelmed. I'm giving you my feelings of being overpowered, of being out man. God, I'm giving you these feelings of stress, of anxiety, of fear, of worry. I'm surrendering it all to you because I need the breakthrough to happen in my life. And it only comes when we do that in prayer and we seek God for that breakthrough. You know, this isn't just one passage in scripture that I pulled out. If you actually look at the entire Bible as a whole, anytime anybody needed any kind of breakthrough in their life, you know what they did? They sought the Lord through prayer 
and fasting. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I want to do that by showing you two stories in scripture of two different people's lives and how they experienced a breakthrough in their own way. Two people you may know, two people you may not know. The first one is a man by the name of David. You probably know him better from the Old Testament as King David. He was the king of Israel during its height of power, and he helped unify the 12 nations to come together as one. And it was a great time in the land. Everything seemed to be going perfect for David. But as soon as David was elected king, in our story from 1 Chronicles chapter 14 this morning, as soon as he was elected king, all hell broke loose. And I think that we can identify with this. That sometimes in our lives when things seem to be going so good, something bad happens. When we have our mountaintop victories, we have our valley lows. When the good comes the tragic, comes the bad. And this is exactly what happened to David. So let's look at this story coming from 1 Chronicles chapter 14, starting in verse 8. It says this, When the Philistines learned that David had been made king of Israel, they mobilized all of their forces against him, to attack and enslave him. But David heard the news and he moved to his fortified place. Now the Philistines were the mortal enemy of Israel. They had this massive, this large army that well outnumbered David's army. And this is the situation that David found himself in. And once again, maybe you and I can relate to how David feels in this situation, that the world around you is mobilizing to come together to tear you down to declare war on you. Maybe you feel like everything is weighing on your shoulders and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's someone or maybe it's something or maybe it's some habit that's trying to enslave you. What do you do? Where do you go? Do you notice what David did in this story? It says that David went to his fortified place. And I have to ask you, what or who is your fortified place? What I mean by that is when it seems like your world is turned upside down, when nothing makes sense around you, when everything is chaos and it seems like everybody is out to get you and you have no way to breathe under the weight of everything you're dealing with, where do you go? Who do you turn to? So you have to have a fortified place in your life. Otherwise, you're going to get destroyed by the pressure of this world, by the pressure of life that exists around you. And if you don't have a fortified place, I encourage this place to be one for you, Canyon Hills Fringe Church, or to let this church family be your fortified place, or to let a mentor or a friend be your fortified place, or to let a pastor or somebody who can invest and dig into your life to be your fortified place. See, folks, we need to learn from David here, because when David was faced with opposition, he didn't run just straight on into battle. He didn't run in just continuing to pile responsibilities and duties and all of these things on his plate because he knew he would get suffocated under the weight of it all. So what did he do? He took a step back. He retreated to a place that he knew was safe, a place where he could experience love and forgiveness and grace and mercy, a place to re-strategize, a place to re-energize, a place to go at it again with a renewed perspective, a place of rest. That's what a fortified place does. And that's what we should take from the example of David here. But look what happens next in the story. It continues to say this. Then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the entire valley. So David sought the Lord in prayer. 
He asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? They're pretty much encircling him. They're surrounding him and he has no way out. He feels trapped. He feels isolated. He feels alone. What does David do? He prays. He prays to God because he's seeking for a breakthrough in his life. Folks, if I could give you one life lesson this morning, it would be this. Never go into any kind of battle without seeking the Lord first. Any legal battle, any financial battle, any relational battle, any educational battle, any friendship battle, any spiritual battle, never go into any battle without seeking the Lord first. Because if you do, you're by yourself and good luck. But if you truly seek the Lord in prayer and you ask God, is this something I should even be worried about? Is this something I should even be concerned about going to war over? He will lead you to that answer. He will give you that discernment on what action to take and where to go from here. And we know it's true because look at how he responded to David in the next verse. It says, the Lord replied, yes, go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and he what? He defeated them. He got his breakthrough. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place the Lord broke through. See folks, that's what I want to see happen in your life. That's the victory I want to see happen when breakthroughs come from the hand of God. But you have to be willing to seek him in prayer for them. And if anything, you should be encouraged this morning because no matter how bad the pain is that you're facing right now in life, no matter how overpowering or stressed out or how much you feel the world is weighing down on you, there's a breakthrough waiting for you at the other end. If you stay faithful and committed to God. Here's the second story this morning. It comes from another man in the Old Testament, ironically in the book of Second Chronicles. It's got a little bit more of a unique name. His name is Jehoshaphat. Probably got teased a lot as a kid growing up, right? But Jehoshaphat was another king in Israel during this time. And he actually helped lead the spiritual revival amongst the nation. And everything was great for him. But once again, just like David, very soon, all hell broke loose within his kingdom and the army started mobilizing against him. Let's look at this passage in second Chronicles chapter 20 it says this after this three enemies joined forces against Judah and some men told the king, a vast army is coming against you. Alarmed and afraid King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. You see the enemies here, the Bible actually tells us it was the termites, the Adesites and the uptights. I'm just kidding. It was the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Mennonites, right? These three massive, it was just to see if you're all paying attention. These three massive armies were now coming together as one unified force to take down Jehoshaphat and his little army. He's outmanned. He's outnumbered. He's overpowered. He's overwhelmed. And this is the situation Jehoshaphat finds himself in. And it says that alarmed and afraid, yeah, that's pretty much the correct action any of us would take if we would see this. That's the natural response. But what did Jehoshaphat do? You see what he says? Alarmed and afraid, King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. He went to God and he said, God, I'm going to choose to focus on you rather than the problem that exists in front of me. I'm resolving to have a change of mind, a change of heart that says, no matter how big the obstacle appears in front of me right now, that's not my main focus. My main focus is you because you're bigger, 
because you're greater, because you're stronger than anything that can come before me. He resolved to seek the Lord. And then it continues on. It says, then he proclaimed a fast for everyone. So all of the people came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from everywhere to seek help. Why? Because a fast says that you're serious about this. A fast says, God, I am committing to you through this prayer that I am going to hold myself accountable. And I'm asking you to hold me accountable to this as well. It's the seriousness in life that says, I desperately am in need of a breakthrough. I'm not just going to pray, but I'm going to do my part to seek it as well. And I'm going to fast. I'm going to get serious over this. Now, Jehoshaphat did four things right in this passage. And these aren't on your outline, so don't worry about it. I just want to plant the mental seed in your brain this morning. He did four things right. The first thing it says he did is he refocused. He took the eyes off of his problem and he put it on God. Second thing he did is he resolved, where he said, it's not just one thing just to to not look at my problem. I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to resolve to seek him because I know that he can overcome the battle that I can't win on my own. Then it says that he fasted. It says that he got serious about it. He says, God, I challenge you to hold me accountable to what I am doing, to seeking you in everything in my life. And after that, it naturally led to the fourth point where it says everybody came together to seek the Lord. They came to pray to God and say, God, we give you control of this situation because we know you can handle it. Folks, the same things apply in our lives as well. No matter what issue is in your life, no matter what pain or trouble or obstacle is in front of you, that's what we have to do. We have to refocus. We have to resolve. We have to fast. We have to be serious. We have to seek the Lord for help. You know what happens when you do? A miraculous victory happens. I don't have time to go into the full rest of this story, but in a nutshell, what happens is Jehoshaphat goes and he asks the Lord, he says, God, how are we going to win this battle? And the Lord responds and he says, you're not even going to have to fight. Then on the day when the battle comes, the three enemy armies, they gather together and God throws them into such a confusion. Scripture says that they started running into each other and slaying one another with their own swords. Not only that, but the entire three armies are killed off in this battle. And it says that Jehoshaphat and his army then get to go and collect the spoils of war, the armor the weapons, the riches, whatever the armies were carrying. It's not like a little piece here, a little piece there. The Bible tells us it took them three days to gather the swells because there was so much carnage on this battlefield. Do you folks see what happened? God turned this valley of battle into a valley of blessing. And that's what he wants to do in the breakthroughs in your lives. He wants to turn whatever it is that you're battling with right now, finances, health, stress, fear, worry, anxiety, marriage issues, relationship issues, career issues, whatever it is that you're facing, he wants to turn those battles into blessings. But he can only do that if you get serious about seeking the Lord for a breakthrough. Well, now it's the application point. What about me? That sounds great, Matt, but how do I employ that? How do I actually physically, tangibly seek the Lord for a breakthrough in my life? I think the apostle Paul tells us best from a passage in Philippians chapter four. If you follow with me, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you notice there's one specific phrase that stands out to me in that passage? And it says a peace that surpasses all understanding. You guys know what that is? That means in the midst of a storm, when you're standing in the middle of say like a tornado or a hurricane, when your world is in chaos around you and everything is upside down, nothing seems right. Everything is going wrong. It's just, you feel like just going into a ball and crying. You have peace. You remain calm. You remain at rest, even when there's no reasonable, rational explanation why you should feel this way. But you know why you feel that? It's because you've given it to God. You said, God, I know that you can protect me even in the midst of the greatest storms of my life. That's a peace that surpasses understanding. Do you have that kind of peace? It comes when you seek the Lord for a breakthrough. That's what happens. That's what David did. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And look at how it helped them. That's the breakthrough we need to experience in our own lives. Now I've gone through this whole entire sermon so far without you writing really anything down. So I think before we go, I should probably help you fill in your outlines. So if you look at your outlines, there are four habits that Paul tells us through this passage in Philippians that help us to truly seek this breakthrough from God. Four habits that are very easy for us to do. The first one is this. If you look at your fill in the blanks, it says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. This is where I expect some of you just to throw your notes up in the air and lift your hands and walk out and be like, this is ridiculous. Like, don't worry about anything. This is the first one I'm worried of what the next three are going to be, right? Like I physically cannot worry. It's not a part of my life. Well, you're not alone. This is probably one of the hardest things that God has ever told us to do because it is in our nature to naturally worry about everything, right? We worry about every single thing that comes in front of us. But God is saying to us, don't worry. That's easier said than done, right? But look what Jesus has to say, or listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, folks, the reason that we mess up today is because we're so emotionally exhausted from trying to fix the things that we have no control over the things that we cannot have any power over. Because when we worry, we're choosing to focus on our fears rather than to focus on our God. And when we worry, it's like we're saying our father in heaven doesn't even care about us, that he hasn't promised us 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 different things just for us alone. See, worry is worthless. It doesn't do any good to anybody. It can't change the past. It can't control your future. So why do you let it have power over you? God says, don't worry. The reason why you're so stressed out, the reason why you feel like your world is collapsing around you is because you spend time worrying about things that don't even matter. And I'll show you they don't even matter when you come to me in prayer and you give them to me and see how I solve them. See how I give you the breakthrough in these things. It's so powerful that we see this. And folks, the habit to breaking this issue of worry in our lives, it comes from a refocus. It comes only when we choose to focus on something else than on the pain and the hurt and the fear and the frustration and the worry that exists before us. 
Romans 8, 6, it says, thinking that's controlled by my sinful nature leads to death. But thinking controlled by the spirit leads to life and peace. You see, you have to choose your focus. It's your own decision on what you're going to do. You have to be willing to engage it, to look at it. And the key to breaking this isn't to think, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. No, it's because you're just choosing to ignore the issue. The fix comes only when you choose to look in a different direction. When you change the channel, when you get up and you set your vision on God rather than on the problem that exists in front of you. And folks, I guarantee you, if you do that, he's going to give you that breakthrough you're looking for in your life. The second habit we see is this. It's to pray about everything. Pray about everything. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small that you shouldn't be in prayer about. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. And God says you can come to him with anything on your heart and bring it before him in prayer. One of the best examples of this is from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. This verse is saying you can either choose to carry your worries or you can let God carry your worries. It's a choice. You can either choose to continue to do the same thing every single day that you've always been doing and feel like you have to carry the weight, the fear, the anxiety, the stress of everything that's on your plate, or you can surrender them to God because God's standing there and he's saying, why? Why do you feel like you have to carry this yourself? I love you. I care for you so much. I want to help you through this. You're not alone in whatever it is that you're facing. He wants to give you that rescue. He wants to give you that breakthrough. In the second step, we move from not worrying to a place of praying, a place of seeking the Lord and coming to him for that rescue and that change that we need in our lives. In the message translation of Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. See folks, this is what you need for that breakthrough in your life. You need his grace. You need his mercy. You need his forgiveness. You need his power. You need his guidance. And it only comes when you are in the stillness of rest. When you say, God, I'm choosing not to let my situation overpower me. I'm choosing to be found centered in you in the midst of my storm in the midst of it all. Leads me to our third point this morning. Our third habit is this, to thank God in everything. Thank God in everything. You see, gratitude is the breakthrough attitude. It's kind of a catchy slogan. Gratitude is the breakthrough attitude. The more grateful you are for things in your life, you're gonna find the more breakthroughs you naturally will experience. It's such an important thing for us to see. And this is part of Philippians 4, 6, which says, ask God for whatever you need, but always do it with thanksgiving, asking him with a thankful heart for all that he has done. See, whenever you go to God in prayer, asking him for something, you should be grateful for what he's already given you, for the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the lungs to breathe, the legs to walk, whatever it is for being human. We should be grateful in everything for what God gives us every single day. That's why he says, be grateful. And he says, be grateful in all things and in all circumstances. Now notice it says in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. There's a big difference between the two. So I think God is telling us that we shouldn't always be thankful for all the circumstances in life. 
because sin in this world has a way of corrupting things. We shouldn't be grateful when someone has a disease in our family, when there's a murder, when there's an abduction, when there's rape or when there's abuse or when there's an addiction or whatever it may be. There are situations and circumstances in life where we naturally shouldn't be grateful for the evil that exists. But what God is saying is that even in the midst of these terrible things, he can still turn good out of bad that he can still bring about something positive, no matter how negative the situation may be. And that's why we're supposed to be grateful in these situations, because we know that this isn't the end of the story, that God will turn this into something amazing. You know why? Because our God has a habit. Our God has the wonderful skill of turning crucifixions into resurrections. Guys, get that? He turns our crucifixions into resurrections. He can take the worst of the worst into a brand new way of life. If you seek him, if you reach out to him in everything, he can bring promises out of your pain. And it only comes when we choose to be grateful for everything that he's done. When we pray to him and we let go and stop worrying about things that we can't control. The fourth and final habit this morning is this. It's stay focused on true things. To stay focused on true things. See, this world tells us a lot of lies, but this is all about a mental change, a mental fix. And this is the last part of Philippians 4.8. It says, fix your thoughts on things that are true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable and fill your mind with thoughts that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is a mental habit. See, our world is filled with deceit and our mind is bombarded every single day with lies. And most of them come from you. You are the biggest culprit of lying to yourself. You tell yourself that things are better when they really aren't that great or things are worse when they really aren't that bad as you think that they may be. We lie to ourselves all the time. Our friends lie to us. Our family lies to us. Our peers lie to us. Most importantly, our society lies to us. See, our society likes to tell us if you're not successful, you don't matter. If you're not athletic, you don't matter. If you're not academic, if you're not smart, if you're not a perfectionist, you don't matter. If you're not beautiful, if you're not attractive, you don't matter. If you don't have the right career, the right clothing or the right job or house, you don't matter. See, that's all a lie. It's all a lie because you do matter. You're not just some piece of junk. You are the most wonderful, magnificent masterpiece created by the hand of our father. And your value is found in him and not in the things of this world. So you matter. And that's what makes you beautiful. That's what makes you so special. And the only way that we can break through this habit of listening to these lies is to refocus on God. Is to say, God, I'm giving them to you. I am choosing to hear the truth that you want to speak into my life. Because you know what the father says will happen? He says, this is how you will know the truth that you will be set free. Folks, you want that breakthrough in your life? You need to be set free this morning. You need to hear the truth of what God is calling you to do. The truth of the value that God is placing in your life. That's what it comes down to. So powerful. So what's the result if we do all four of these habits? We said it earlier, God's going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. A power that we can't understand. A grace, a forgiveness, a love, a mercy that we don't deserve but he freely gives us if we seek him for that breakthrough. 
And the question is, are you willing to seek God for the breakthroughs in your life? I want to close with one final passage, and it comes from the book of Job, a guy who probably experienced more pain and turmoil than we could ever possibly imagine. I want to listen. I want you to listen to what it says here. Job 11, 13 through 19. It says, surrender your heart to God. Stretch out your hands to him in prayer and give up all your secret sins. Then instead of feeling shame, you'll be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge. Your darkest hour will become as bright as morning. You will feel safe and secure, filled with hope, emptied of worry, and you will sleep without fear. Any of you want that? Any of you want to go throughout this day without stress, without fear, without worry, anxiety, feelings of being overpowered, outnumbered? Do you want that in your life? I know I need it in my life. And if you want it, you have to take action. You have to seek God for the breakthrough to come and be serious about your prayers. Would you join me in prayer as I close? Father, we're so grateful for this day. God, just as we start this journey of seeking you, God, we, we desire to know your heart. God, we need a breakthrough. God, each of us needs a breakthrough in different areas of our lives. Father, we need you to do a breakthrough in our lives, and we know exactly where it is that you need it. Father, I'm going to ask, God, that we would do what it is that you tell us to do. Father, that we're going to expect you to do what you say that you'll do. Father, make yourself real to us. We want to know you. We want to open our lives to you. We want to learn to trust you. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you that you have purpose for our lives, for dying on the cross for all of us. Father, as best as we know how, Father, we ask you to come into our lives. God, to give us that grace, to give us that fortified place, that stronghold, that place where we can run and seek you and find the breakthrough from whatever it is that's holding us back. We love you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen.